0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18+ plus terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome to Heart and Hand: The Rangers Podcast. The podcast that is astounded how long it can take for a game to finish before players can still be booked. This week on Heart and Hand, I'm sure Chernobyl was cleared up in less time than this. <laughs> Welcome to Heart and Hand, the flagship show. Uh, we're so glad to be back. My name is Cameron Bell. I am stepping in for our regular host, Mr. Edgar, who's taken some well earned rest. Um, and I'm pleased to say I am joined by not just one, but two fabulous guests. Uh, we truly are hands across the water. So, from one side of the UK, uh, joining me on the, the East Coast is Mr. Ian Hogg. Hoggy, how are you?
2: I am very, very well and still chuckling at the aftermath. Wonderful, wonderful. I dare say we could
1: talk about that a little bit more, Dean. so let's, uh, uh, let's do that in a wee bit. Um, however, from across the water is Belfast's favourite son, and that is Mr David Graham. David, thank you so much for joining
0: us. A pleasure to be here. Great to see you, Cammy. Great to see you, Huggy. Um, obviously, we're still fighting with Boris to get this bridge uh, between the east coast of Ulster and the west coast of Scotland, but in the meantime, this is as close as we can get, so long may it continue. Excellent. Well, um,
1: we are back after a bit of a hiatus. Um, I don't even think you could call it really a winter break as Rangers have obviously um, finished up the season. I'm probably sure you can remember the last league game that we played. However, after a warm weather training camp in Dubai, we were back in action um, in the uh, Scottish Cup uh, to play Stranraer on Friday evening. And, um, Boys, I'll come on to your, your takes just a wee bit because I think in the build-up to this game, um, certainly the expectations were high that we would be able to come out with a bit of a cricket score. We wanted to dust off some cobwebs, having obviously been out of action for a, a couple of weeks. Um, the lineup, I think, Hoggy, was, was pretty straightforward in terms of we saw some necessary replacements and probably some voluntary ones as we started with forwarding winning goals. Nathan Patterson making his first team debut at right back for the injured Tav. Um, Katic, Edmondson and Halliday completed the back four. Uh, Scott Arfield, uh, Ryan Jack and Stephen Davis in the midfield with Joe Aribo, Jermaine Defoe and Jordan Jones making his comeback from injury. Um, Hoggy, when you saw that team on Friday, my hope is that you were you were pretty comfortable with it when you saw it? Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. You know, you got got um, Fotheringham, I think, yeah, you know, uh, ha- having him run out against andrar no n- you know, no issues with that. Edmondson needs some game time, Halliday get needs some game time. Um uh, Nathan Patterson came into the side after looking pretty good against Locomotive Tashkent. Um and games against andrar You we we really should be looking to blood any youngsters that we think are deserving it, you know, the, the old if you're, if you're good enough, you're young or you're old enough, adage. And Patterson came in, and for me, he was one of the best Rangers players on the night. Um, The midfield was fairly fairly routine, the forward line fairly routine. That said, Jordan Jones came in, Um, and I was really happy to see him coming in. And I'm glad I'm not sitting in the same room with, as David Graham with what I'm about to say, but J- Jordan Jones looked every inch the player that was back after what a 12 to 14 week break just tried too hard. It ended up certainly in the first half, Cami running down avenues and getting getting a bit lost. So that's just hopefully first game syndrome because Jordan Jones is showing what he can do uh, prior to the injury uh, but yeah you know we we, we really mixed it up I, w- I was expecting a few goals I was expecting a wee bit of urgency um didn't really happen that way though no it did not
1: it did not before we come on to the goals David I'll, I'll get your take because you must have had a vested interest in that left hand side with uh, Andy Halliday at left back um I suppose it's it's difficult even the most favored Andy Halliday fan such as yourself has got to admit that it's difficult for him to be able to to shoehorn Bonabarisic out the side because he's he's probably one of our best players at the moment. But nice to see him be able to try and get the run out, and with Jones in front of him as well, maybe not setting the header in fire, but still game time's important.
0: Okay, I mean, I think that um, I, suppose, I suppose from from the point of view of the left hand side, Jones. Uh, obviously in Huggies and hogley 's entirely right he certainly didn 't have his best game, and I think that 's trying to be be as kind as I possibly can. He seemed to cut in a lot, and you're right. he was kind of almost wandering around the middle of the park at, at several occasions, which is trying to make something happen um, You kind of get the sense obviously when, when you 've Andy Halday on the field, he will try to push forward as much as he can, but I mean it's, you know you 're comparing sort of uh, apples and oranges when you 're comparing the, the the natural game of Borna Barisic compared to the natural game of Andy Halday but Like, I do think, and I I said this today in the the Daily Update, I mean, I I think that Jordan Jones is skating in very thin ice when it comes to really his his Rangers future. I know there's been certainly chat of, you know, a a stoke bid and talking about a a million quid and all the rest. Um, He certainly didn't do anything against Stranraer that would have made us think, you know what, we really have to persevere with this kid. And and it reminds me of someone who I couldn't stand, um, Josh Windass, who... If you recall the game, was it Fraserburgh two seasons ago um, in the first round of the the Scottish, or not the first round of the Scottish Cup, but the the round we entered, he scored a couple of goals. I think he might have ended up with a hat-trick and he certainly showed he was sort of a a step above that standard whilst that night Nico Cadditch had um, maybe shown it was time to retire. Sorry, I beg your pardon, Nico Cranchior, that it was time to retire. And and I think um, on overall uh, Friday night, those are games that maybe a season or two we we would have genuinely struggled with. We didn't ever struggle. We just didn't really get out of first gear. And I think the issue for the manager now is that there are players in our squad who, quite frankly, there are big question mark question marks when we bring them to a starting eleven for a, for important league games going forward.
1: Okay, coming back to Jones for just a second because I think David does raise a good point with this, and I think that. We have seen, by now, the, the most important thing, I believe, if you are a squad or a fringe player, um, the attitude has to be correct. That's one of the biggest things that, that Gerard and his management team will assess you on. Um, we've always thought Jones was, was pleased around the move to, to Rangers. Obviously, it's his boyhood club, etc. Um, and I think the hope is that he's learned the hard way the lesson that if you try to go out and do an opponent and end up injuring yourself, you do nothing but cause setbacks to yourself. So would you like to see Jones stay and, and, and fight for a place and to try and see if he can compete for a, a, a position in the first 11, likely not to necessarily outperform someone at the moment, but to, to remain in contention if, as I say, injuries, suspension start to rack up or what have you, so that you can come in and be effective?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you look just now, and our the the two wider players of the front three, and I'm not going to call them wingers because we don't play with wingers. Uh, the two kind of you know, the left and right hand side of Morelos or Defoe, Ryan uh, for, for the main games, Ryan Kent's one of them, and you've got one on what you've got one other berth. And Joe Aribo is really starting to make that his own. So, you're talking about players to come in when there's injuries or suspensions, or players to come in. To make a, a a real impact off the bench, what I want is guys like and I know that he's been he's been criticised in some quarters, but Greg Doherty, and I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to him, but Greg Doherty clearly wants to stay and fight and he's not given up his dream lately. I don't think anyone can criticise Greg Doherty for having that attitude. I'm not entirely sure Stephen Gerrard was. Overly taken with Greg Doherty's attitude in the first place, I have to say. But I think he's he's, he's knuckled down. He went to Shrewsbury. He's come back. He, you know, he's probably going to go out and loan again. Um, but he doesn't want to be sold. Jordan Jones, you've got... I, I, I'm expecting the same from Jordan Jones. He's joined his boyhood team. He wants it. Um, no idea what his attitude's been like since day one. That's between, I guess, him and Stephen Gerald. Really, really expect him to, to knuckle down. And if he does knuckle down, he can be that guy that's behind Kent and rebo, to be coming off the bench, to be making an impact. And to be honest, Cammy, he's, he's, he's got the pace and the skill to be doing that. If he's coming on after 60 minutes when defenders are knackered, that's an ideal time for him to be taking the to, game to, to, to the, the, the opponent. Um, so I genuinely want him to stay, genuinely want him to succeed but then, I'm mean, going to just support all the Rangers players to succeed, because if they do, then we win the league. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> to come on to the game itself,
1: which I'm afraid I must do, um, it was a, a little bit of a kind of shaky start with the fact that Strenraert had came with a clear uh, game plan of let's try and make sure that we can suffocate Rangers wherever possible. Um there was a little bit to me, David, that it felt like we were playing with a little bit of a strangeness from that that first eleven. Um, there was probably a little bit of a lack of cohesion which we've been used to being able to see. Um, however, fortunately the deadlock was broken uh, by Scott Arfield just before half time. Um, and a goal from a corner kick, which actually wasn't a Rangers corner kick. So they say that the SFA will take action in three or four months' time. Um, and the ball broke nicely for Arfield, who was just able to slot home from um, seeing a gap through a, a, a body of players and uh, we went into half-time and I think maybe saved the players from a bit of a roasting from the manager who afterwards actually said he was quite bored watching the game um, but again it settled the nerves I think a wee bit um, and I think at that stage going into half-time with 1-0 up it started to feel a little bit more routine rather than um, squiggly bum time.
0: Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think if we're trying to be kind, um, and this isn't a slight on the manager at all. I mean, I suppose two points. We are fortunate that that game took place on Friday night, and and I mean, strange comment that it sounds. We obviously uh, had and beat last year, which was postponed, which meant we then went to Kilmarnock and, you know, Joe Worrell and the rest is history to an extent. But we've kind of got that first sort of game out of the way after the winter break, which in theory, and uh, will not count chickens, should mean that we're coming in fresher for what is a very important game on Wednesday night. But I suppose in fairness to that particular starting 11, probably a lot of them haven't played a great deal of football together. Some of them haven't played a, a great deal of football for, for some time. Um, you know, particularly the like of sort of that left-hand side of Holiday and Jones, um, and obviously, well, foddering him as a, a goalkeeper, but you know, you're still bringing guys in who haven't played a lot. Edmondson's another one who has has featured sort of sporadically. So I, I suppose the difficulty is you're then coming in a situation where you 40,000 a really great attendance from the Bears for a cold Friday night. You 40,000 staring at you, saying basically put a cricket score on, and you've got an opposition who just simply parked the bus. And they weren't even pressing us to try to sort of disrupt our play. So there's a lot of the time where we were playing keep ball, but we simply weren't going anywhere with it. And maybe because we lacked that bit of sort of incision and that kind of game-changing player, whether it's a Kent or a Morelos or even an Arebo, it kind of meant then it was a case of, if you ever recall the Simpsons episode where they put the soccer match on the TV, they pass the ball between each other a few times, then there's a riot. That was almost what it reminded me of. It was just sort of... (laughs) Pass, 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 pass. Nothing overly happened. And then we kind of went back and did it again. So, look, it wasn't perfect. I I said in the Daily Update earlier, and I reiterate this, we're through to the next round. We've got a favourable draw in the next round. Let's sort of consign that game to history where a little bit like, if you recall, Livingston earlier in the season, utter draws to go through, but it got us to the final, uh, or it was part of getting us to the final. Ultimately, that's the main thing, isn't it?
1: Hoggy, the... um... The game then went into the other mark um, and your favourite player came on to the place, Jordan Jones, which was Brandon Barker. Um, and <laughs> w- without coincidence, a couple of pl- a couple of minutes later, uh, Jermaine Defoe does a lovely turn in the box. The Strenraer centre-half can't do much to be able to, uh, to pick him up. But it's a clear clip of the heels and Defoe goes down. Um, rightly says the selfish strikers chant of, uh, I won it, therefore I'm taking it. Um, which he duly does, puts the, the ball away um, fantastically as it just goes by the Stranath Keeper's right-hand post. It's a, it's a sublime finish for a penalty, which is Defoe's bread and butter. Um, he then uh, heads off as uh, Shea Ojo then replaced him, and then with about 10 on the clock to go, uh, Kai Kennedy makes his uh, makes his debut for Rangers, uh, replacing Joe Arribo. And um, we won't dwell too much in this because it's as it routine. We're not talking about the amount of goals that we were, uh, we were needing to get. But David Dettlaff certainly does make a good point, where it's about probably settling some nerves and just getting kind of back into business a wee bit after uh, the break for the last uh, two to three weeks.
2: Yeah, Do you know, I'm going to credit Ra, despite their league position. The the uh, Stevie Farrell I think is is their manager. They've obviously been drilled for the past week to play 3-5-2 or really 5-3-2 or, or, or really actually 5-4-1 because um, <laughs> poor Ryan Stevenson up front was miles away from anyone else. Um, but they were drilled superbly and their, their, their three centre-halves played very, very well. Um, we it, it was almost like a, an attack against defence training match as we were sat there in minus four conditions. That was fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Brandon Barker comes on, probably for the first time ever, I'll, I'll say, and Brandon Barker changed the game. Um, I'm not his biggest fan. Brandon, if you're listening, prove me wrong, please. Um, we get the penalty. We win 2-0. Stranraer get a bit of cash. I like Stranraer's uh, tweet after the game, when the you know Rangers outlined the, the attendance, 38,560 and Strandrar had a gif of a man basically doing um, uh, snow angels and money. Uh, so that, but <laughs> but first that's what it was all about. You know, they they they've Strandr's they've walked away with something like two hundred grand. That'll keep them going for two or three years now. David's right. We move on. The game was pish, but really really, it was attack against defence, and it was it was a kind of de facto training game.
1: Can I just get your opinions then? Because one of the things that was kind of getting discussed was obviously uh, with this game and then St. Mirren, um at home on Wednesday um, was about Patterson being able to come in and there was the conversation regarding whether or not Patterson would would fit in there and, and make his debut, or whether or not we would go back to the trusted hands of John Flanagan. And I was in the camp of well, potentially we could play Patterson for Stranraer, take the opposition level as it as it would appear, um, and then look. Potentially at uh, uh, replacing Patterson um, for the St. Mary's game with John Flanagan. Right now, what's your gut feelings? Would you would you keep Patterson there? Would you let him uh, retain his
2: berth? Yeah, I would. Um, I, I think pa- Patterson was the one of the two fullbacks who was was driving forward all the time, getting crosses into the box, and the kid can clearly defend as well. Um, I'm not shy of a tackle as he got a booking. Against St Mirren, I'd have him in there. Barisic will be back in the team. I think that's just a more natural replacement to James Tavenier For uh, Let's face it, going forward against St Mirren, we will have most of the ball we'll look to create. Um, I'd keep him in there and then review after the game for, for Hearts at the weekend. David, do you agree with that? Um,
0: yeah, I think probably Nathan Patterson's fortunate that this fixture is St Mirren at home. I think if it was an away fixture, I think if it was, you know, um, with respect to St. Mirren, and we're not taking it lightly, if it was, a, you know, a, a Harts or a Hibs or an Aberdeen or someone who was the higher end of the table, it probably would be a wider conversation. But like, you know, ultimately there's always a possibility of, you know, and we don't want to go down a rabbit hole with this, but, but of Tav going at some point. Like John Flanagan, the manager has already said, is playing for his future. He is not, you know, the long term right back for uh, Glasgow Rangers. I'm not necessarily saying Nathan Patterson is, but what I am saying is certainly if we can't afford to put a young lad in against St. Mirren, having, as Hoggy rightly says, proven himself in a couple of sort of lower level fixtures, when can we do that? Um and that does create the situation where I'm not cliché, yeah, you know, you're good enough, you're old enough, but it does it does mean that if if you if you can't put him against St. Mirren, who can you put him in against? So, therefore, if you can't put him in against the bottom end table in the league, what, what why essentially do we have him around and about us? Because, you know, in all reality, yes, we tried it with Miles Beerman against, you know, Celtic and he got totally destroyed, but he probably was never good enough and we probably knew that already. Nathan Patterson, in my view, is much more of a step up, albeit a right of player more than left. So, look, let's give it a go. If we're reading our words and he's had an absolute nightmare, well, so be it. But I think Hoggy's right. Let's go with him, see how it works out.
1: Excellent. Well, as I say, the game um, wasn't uh, the manager's favourite to watch. However, we got there and that was the most important thing. Qualification was all that mattered. Um, and in their usual sense of professionalism and trying to emulate the Champions League draw, Sports Scene eventually, um, before we all had to return to work today, did the fifth round draw where Rangers were drawn away to Hamilton Ackies for the weekend of the 8th and 9th of February. Um, Hoggy, before I come on to to Ackies themselves um, as the actual draw, the the club and their manager, Brian Rice, today released a statement um, where he has voluntarily um, admitted to uh, breaches of the Football Association's uh, rules regarding gambling. He has uh, also, within that statement, Um, admitted that he has had previous issues in this area and was in recovery however has uh, relapsed sadly Um, Hamilton Aquies were able to also um, release a statement on top of that stating that he has their their full support um, and again as I say he has voluntarily given this information uh, to the Football Association uh, for whatever um, sanctions or outcomes may come from this and I don't think I'm alone in explaining um, and, and passing on the, the sincere support of everyone at heart and hand for Mr Rice's um, addiction issues. Um, it's a horrible, horrible state of affairs to be in.
2: Uh, it certainly is. I mean, addiction's an illness. Um, Brian Rice is a gambling addict. He's admitted that. He was in recovery. And he's lapsed. Um, he's fallen over. And to, he's recognised and he's voluntarily outlined i'm betting he didn't have to so that that shows bravery it shows honesty it shows real courage um i i you know hats off to the guy you know for for to to come out in an area like football where he'll probably get some chance against him now and all the rest of it it, it, it does it's 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 big ball stuff Cami. and i think what brian rice and Colin McGowan on behalf of the, the board that Naki's have, have done today is really, really classy. And i uh, I've get nothing but best wishes for him.
1: In other news as well, what's happened recently with regards to um, some of the players who missed the game against Strenra, Um We had a closed-door game at the Hummel Training Centre on Saturday afternoon um, and more of the regular first-teamers, David, um, made appearances in that. Uh, this was a 4-1 win over Queen of the South, um, and some of the players involved, there was obviously a bit of a rotation, but included Alan McGregor, Connor Goldson, Borna Barisic, Glenn Camara, Alfredo Morelos, um, Ryan Kent. Um, Shea Ojo played in both games he played on the Friday and the Saturday, scored a goal against Queen of the South with Alfie getting a double and Ryan Kent getting one as well. Um the Queen of the South manager, Stephen Dobby, who also scored the consolation goal, came out and was very, very complimentary about not only Morelos and his, his, um, his current performances, um, but also was very impressed with Rangers front three and how um, uh, industrious we were and uh, was very pleased that they were able to keep the score, I think, at 4-1. So, David, interesting to note because I think Ian mentioned it before, and I think you kind of touched on it too, that um, there is a little bit of a cloud hanging around the fact that we want to get back to league business as soon as we can because of what happened last year um, and the slip-ups after the the, the winter break. Um, but seemed to be a fairly straightforward um, training game, for want of a better term, um, and a good run-out for some of the boys after coming back from Dubai and coming back
0: from a bit of a break. Again, and I think it's a very important as well, Cami, we, from the from the point of view that um, there was a bit of criticism. I think actually Chris had mentioned it in the pod. Um, I think maybe why the guys were out in Dubai, where they had came back from Spain last year, and there was a sort of general sense of their legs were a bit heavy. But but obviously the positive side of that was that although there was a bit of short-term pain, you could clearly see we finished the league in the best shape. We finished, you know, and, and not just finished games well, but we finished the season well because of probably that hard work that had been put in. Um, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. Um, you can score forty goals against Queen of the South in a closed door game. It's what happens on Wednesday night, and then it's what happens on Sunday. That's obviously m- important. But you're entirely right to say that if the guys like Kent and Morelos are getting in the the score sheet, that's very positive, and you know that's a, a good habit for them to get into. Um, I know you're maybe going to mention sort of transfers and things down the the line, but certainly does spark that idea of you know, this, the squad is probably quite quickly kind of getting split into guaranteed starters if fit or certainly pushing to get a start if fit and others who are sort of maybe making up the numbers, which sounds a wee bit harsh, but certainly there's a bit of a gulf in class. But, but that's what's going to happen when, you know, the, the transfer windows that we've gone through and the amount of times we've had to wipe the slate clean in the last three or four years, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and Hoggy, as David mentions, in terms of where we're at from a transfer uh, perspective, obviously we're still um, coming out the probably the, the, the middle part of the transfer window for the month. Uh, Rangers have confirmed today that Jamie Murphy has uh, moved to Burton Albion, uh, which was a move I think that was pretty much expected. Jamie Jonas has went out and loaned to Partick Thistle to the end of the season. Um, Andy Firth has signed a new one, uh, well, a one-year extension on his contract as well. And at the moment, Greg Daugherty, there was rumours um, going across the weekend that there was a potential move to Sunderland. However, that now appears to have collapsed. So it's interesting that we we are certainly doing business, and I think that the manager alluded to uh, to several um, instances across a number of interviews that the expectation was he did think players would be going out the door. And I certainly think that David's kind of hit the nail on the head that there's probably a a periphery of players who it's expected that we would have had move and certainly Murphy and Borjonis were in that uh, rank at the moment. Um, Zach Brudden uh, obviously just confirmed his move at the end of last week. So we are starting to do a little bit of a kind of trim, but fortunately we're not in a space where we have been in previous seasons where we're talking about a whole-scale shake-up. Well, I
2: think that's the key, Cammy. That over the past few years, crisis felt like the past eight years. Um, by the time you hit the winter, we are fishing about the fishing about the bin, basically trying to find frees here and there or loans here and there to 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 spice up the squad or, or, or to try and improve the squad. And it's felt as if we get to winter and we go back to basics. So it feels encouraging that we're not it feels somewhat odd that we're not and I know plenty of people have been on social media talking about you know we're we're not doing enough for me I I, I genuinely think that's just a bit of a knee-jerk towards we're so used to doing lots of business and now we don't have to that it feels it feels strange the guys that have gone out Serge Atikai, Eros Greshda, Zach Ruddon, um, and we 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 released on his contract his contract expired. Uh, Shel Baldy uh, from the, the youth team. None of those guys were getting anywhere near the the, the starting lineup or, or even the first team squad. Um, of the guys that have gone out and loan. Jimmy Ber- Jimmy Ber- just needs it, and he'll go to Thistle. I think he'll do quite well. Um, and uh, Jamie Murphy needs to play. Greg Doherty needs to play. So. Trimming the squad of guys who are getting nowhere near the first-team pitchers the right thing to do. Introducing guys like Kai Kennedy and Nathan Patterson and Lewis Mayo and, and whomever else, again, the right thing to do. For me, the key now is, now that we've lost guys like Andy King, for example, who went back to Leicester just before the new year, Amber Jonas has gone out, does that leave us a little light in central midfield? Possibly. Are we a little light in wider forward players, possibly? Um, all depends if we trust Shiojo enough, if we trust Brandon Barker enough, or if we want to just kind of spice that up a little bit. I guess ultimately for me, Cammy, it's going to be about if we if we trim the squad and trim the wage bill to the right amount, then I, I know the manager said he's not expecting anyone. I still do. I still expect one to come in and probably... Uh, a kind of premiership, an English premiership player that ain't going to get a game, like Andy King, for example, only not him, uh, given he's 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 away to whatever he's away to. Um, so it's it's good news that the squad is getting trimmed because it's freeing up cash when, when these guys just ain't going to play.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and I think, David. Just to just to come back to a point that you touched on there as well, because I will ask you that you know from a transfer perspective, if you've got any particular parts of the the team that you'd like to see us strengthen with some quality. The, the, the good thing about being able to see guys like Patterson and Kenny being able to try and come is that we have a lot of positive stories. We, we obviously touched on uh, Mayo there uh, and Buddy. We've got Young Coombs, who's obviously making a lot of headlines from the, the development squads as well, being able to come into teams. So this is really encouraging to be able to see us so include these guys and get them in and around the first team. But they're also playing with quality players who will do nothing but, you know, obviously give them that coaching, give them that 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 kind of um, emphasis about you know continually striving to improve, etc, cetera, etc cetera. but from a perspective of purely um, keeping everyone that we have at the moment, we don't have any outgoing to now of, of major quality where would you like to see us been able to try and strengthen, is there any particular areas of the team that you think could do with a, um, a little bit of support?
0: I think probably the, the PTSD from the semi-final of the League Cup last year against Aberdeen where you know, we put in uh, Umar Sadiq, um, which let's not even go down that particular conversation. But I do have a bit of a concern where uh, obviously Alfie's out, um, he's suspended Um, at the moment. Obviously, he's probably due bit another six yellow cards from uh, the Celtic game by the time all said and done. But I suppose on, on a serious point, he, he is likely to be suspended again before the end of the season. Um. I think that we I would be concerned if Jermaine Defoe was to pull up with a hamstring injury. You know the guy is thirty seven now, so it's not as if you know, um, you know he 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 is not statistically more likely to become injured, just given his age profile. Um, I wouldn't particularly want to go into a game with Greg Stewart as kind of our out and out striker. Obviously Ryan Kent could do a job there. There's even a school of thought to say that you would almost play with three attackers and no sort of spearhead at the front. If I I was kind of wanting to bring someone in, it would be a a striker or certainly an attacker of some form. I suppose the difficulty I have, when it comes to the wider point, the guys we've mentioned there that are going out, the Murphys and the Doherty's and the the like, they're either going out because they want to go out to prove themselves for the future, or they're going out to, to save us money. My concern is that Andy King is case in point. We brought in Andy King on the assumption that he would be a crucial part of you know, having been there and done that with Leicester, a crucial part on and off the field of closing down games and just controlling the football when we needed it to be controlled. He never really broke any delf and that is what concerns me of you could name a player, particularly any sort of bottom, you know, ten side in the premiership, which maybe not making the squad or maybe not making the first team eleven and bring them up to Glasgow well that's great but how or who how do they get into the side who do they come in over and it leads me to the conversation with Nathan Patterson earlier why can we not rely on someone coming from the youth team if required to sit on the bench because realistically at some stage they're going to have to come in to prove themselves you know simply why can that not be now I'm open I know that uh, Alex Alex Staff has said that it's simply maybe because our academy just isn't at that level yet. But, I mean, at the moment, I would like to bring someone in. Yes, I think Hoggy's right to say I think someone will come in. But it does create a situation of we either need to bring someone in because they are better than who we've got already. That will cost us money and a wage hike. Or else bring someone in who is of a similar level or if not below And that essentially, you know, we're saying you're coming in to warm the bench and that's really need you in the next uh, four months. But I hope that makes sense because I've been trying to run that over my head as to how I would best explain that, you know.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's kind of what we were talking about beforehand. We've had players who have had to leave the club like Jamie Murphy in order to get game time. But, Hoggy, we want to bring in quality. We mentioned, obviously, uh, would we have the the, the funds available to bring in uh, a player currently in the Premiership not getting games? Um, but if we were to, as, as David's alluding to, strengthen as a, as a strike force, the difficulty is that you've got Alfie. He's not coming out of that slot, shy of suspensions. Um, Jermaine Defoe is in great shape, but again, as David says, you know he could be prone to injury. The selling point's going to be pretty difficult if you're saying to that Premiership player, come and play with us and get games. But those games and the opportunities may be limited to appearances off the bench.
2: At the end of the day, any, anyone coming in to be a third striker knows that, they're, that they're, they're the striking equivalent of Andy Firth, who incidentally has signed his one-year co- uh, one extension. Andy, well done. You have the fucking best job in the world, mate. <laughs> uh, the dream. Oh, hey, living live the dream doesn't have to play. Picks up a wage and gets to celebrate in the park at on the pitch at Parkhead after we've stuffed them, brilliant. Um, but anyone coming up to to fulfil that role, I don't think they're going to be better than Barillasa or, or or Defoe. I'd be massively surprised. Um, so they know that they're coming up to do that. So, but. Whatever way you look at it, Cammy, it's it, it, it's it's one of three situations. Either we find someone that can fulfil that role and wants to fulfil that role, or we don't, and it's Greg Stewart. Or we then go beyond that, and it's into the development squad. And and ultimately, the winter transfer window is a bit like that. You know, it, it is a bit you know, bargain binish, if you like, uh, or guys that simply want to play or want the opportunity to play. We're just going to have to kind of ride it out. I do not expect any movement until the end of the month, though. Yeah, I would agree with
1: that, and we'll have to see what
2: happens. Plus, it could be interesting now that
1: it's down south with uh, Marcus Rashford and Harry Kane, both with uh, fairly long-term injuries. Could it be the case that that just adds another zero until to Alfredo Morelos's value, which I think currently is sitting at about £200 million. Uh, tell them, we won't tell them, we won't tell them a bit less than that. Exactly. Tell them all to fuck off. You're not getting them. <laughs> um, now, speaking of our beloved Alfredo, and I'm going to get a bit ranty here, so I'll apologise for any swearing that may come up at this point, uh, listeners. But on Friday, um, somewhat ironically, um, some would say coincidentally, I wouldn't be one of them, um, that Rangers were given um, a notice that the SFA... Uh, We're placing another charge against Alfredo Morelos um, for a a third yellow card um, delivered due to his uh, gesture after coming off. This was after the game, uh, as Kevin Clancy apparently deemed that as unsporting behaviour. Very, very odd that the game being played on the 29th of December and the SFA notifying us on the 17th of January. On the same day, I may add, um, that we were about to start back into Scottish Cup business in our first game back after the break. Um, now, just to be clear with this, um, Alfie won't miss any further games as a result of that. He's going to miss against Hearts and St Mirren. Um, he obviously missed out against Dunra, um, but that was because of uh, double booking in the competition last season. Uh, that was just a carryover. However, he will miss Hearts and he will miss St Mirren. Ian, um, It's difficult to probably put into words without, as I say, becoming ultra-sweary. This is beyond farcical now in terms of what's happening. I don't want to even necessarily talk about Alfredo Morelos because I think that we've spoken about him a lot. And we are of agreement that he does get refereed to different standards, that he is held to a different standard. And we can all come up with examples where similar things have happened elsewhere um, and nothing has happened but yet when Alfredo does it it is uh, deemed cautionable now I um, I would like to get your take on this you're a, a far smarter man than myself why is it that the SFA are now delivering post-game punishments so late on and on the same day that the club that they're delivering the sanction against have started to, to, to re- start their campaign, although in this this particular uh, incident it wasn't in the league, it was in the, the Scotch Cup. Um why is it such a shambles? What is it that's happening with the compliance officer that this seems to to be so muddy in terms of any clear distinction about what a process is, how the compliance officer is used. We we were all told let's not re-referee games, but yet that seems to be happening now. Um Hoggy, I don't understand it, and I don't understand why this is happening to certain players from certain clubs, and yet other clubs are quite comfortably getting away with it. Um,
2: with Alfredo Morelos specifically, this stinks. So you know, uh, you remember last year when Rangers beat Celtic at Ibrox, and uh, comprehensively beat Celtic at Ibrox, and there was no real major talking points until. Someone from Celtic obviously got on the phone two days later to Chris Sutton and it all kicked off. Uh, Alfredo Morelos at that point was the antichrist. Well, the same happened this time. Rangers comprehensively beat Celtic. Alfie gets sent off for a a daft second booking. And yeah, it was deserved, right? He walks off the park. He, He makes a gesture to the Rangers bench to show time's up. Uh, the same gesture, incidentally, that Victor Winyama made uh, a few seasons ago in a Scottish Cup semi-final, and Chris Sutton didn't piss his pants at that, and it's almost felt as if we had 19 days since the game, and the SFA uh, clarifying, I <laughs> love that word, clarifying, um, that Alfredo Morelos was booked for a third time in the match, which, incidentally, can happen. Um... It's just a it's a points totting up thing, so. But 19 days later, Rangers are informed that he's been booked. Rangers didn't know. Stephen Gerrard was on record saying, "Well, you know, if 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 he, if the compliance officer takes any action, then we'll need to deal with it when if and when that happens." Rangers clearly didn't know that he'd been booked for a third time. So in other words, it's made up shite by the SFA because we've had 19 days of meltdown. I'd be making one to that, Cameron. Uh, we've had 19 days of meltdown, and it absolutely stinks of the SFA thinking, fuck, we cannot charge Alfredo Morelos under the rules, and the Tims are going completely tonto. I know. Let's let's inform them of a fake yellow card uh, that no one knew about, and trumped up crap, um, despite basically ignoring every one of Celtics antics at Ibrox's, since- 2017 it's it's, it's laughing stock stuff from the Scottish FA you know they talk about transparency talk about clarification talk about all that kind of crap this this lot couldn't manage a fucking fish supper david
1: through my various kind of walks of life i've i've be- become acquainted with celtic fans um i know some of them i would even go so far as to say i quite like a few of them um, and the reason as to why I quite like them is because, unlike the vast majority, they're quite sensible. They're quite, you know, down to earth. They are quite. They understand exactly what's going on. Um, now, speaking to them about some of this, very simply and almost unilaterally to a man, they just want to move on. And what I'm very confused about with all of this is that it seems to be the case that um, nothing tremendously bad happened within that game we can understand that the usual Celtic choir cheerleaders Chris Sutton as, as Ian's mentioned there will make you know ridiculous comments about gestures and various other bits and bobs and these things are all just absolute you know it's just a circus but what I don't understand is why are the SFA almost to a certain extent deliberately provoking this and trying to keep it running because now we're getting into a case of it's almost statement war. So whether Celtic come out and make a statement or the SFA or Rangers or a media pundit comes out to say something in, in response to this, it feels like as, if, as soon as the waters start to settle, now the SFA just purposely want to dip another stone in it. Why are they purposefully going down this road with Rangers? That it, it just feels like as if they just want us to carry on and carry on. And you've got morons like John uh, uh, John Harpsen, been able to try and f- fan the flames of this by incredibly coming out with a moral high ground. A moral high ground, I might add, from a from a man who kicked a teammate in the head when he was on the on the ground. What what's the purpose of this, David? What do, what do you see as been the SFA's motive behind
0: this? I, I think, Carmi, that there there isn't a motive, and I think that the problem is that surely, in an organisation the size of the SFA. They've got someone there who is a a media advisor, consultant, PR uh, guy, or, or, you know, there's bound to be a man or woman in there who is paid to give advice as to how you, you know, deal with information that either comes out of your organisation or goes in. What I don't understand is, and if if you read even a a cursory glance at some of Alistair Campbell's work or whoever is, you'd say, as sort of a media mogul guru, the key thing is, if you've got a story you know whatever the scandal is, whether you know it's sex, drugs, or rock and roll, and it's in line with whatever organization. Get all the information out. Don't be caught. It's like you know the classic of the Profumo affair. You know he he lied about his affair. He went on the record in in Parliament and lied about it, even though everyone, I think, including his wife and him, knew that he what he had been up to. So so the point is here: deal with all the information and all the the snowballs that can be fired as early and as quickly as possible after a powder keg game, which, in all honesty, when we compare it to some old firms, it was fairly low-key in the grand scale of things. So deal with it almost the way in Northern Ireland we deal with, you know, contentious parading. Try to get it to pass off peacefully, then put put the issue to bed, don't make a news story out of it, and let's all get on with our lives. It's now the 20th of January. So it's almost a month and I and I joked in the Daily Update that you know we will still be dealing with the fallout from this old firm game, basically just as the the lead up to the next one comes along. And that's not necessarily uh their fault or our fault. It's the SFA's fault because of course football clubs are going to stand up for their players, of course they're going to try to play to their galleries, but the SFA have to deal with it. They need the man up and they need to say, Right, lying in the sand, we're all gonna move on because let's deal with the reality. Look at the fallout. I know we're going to talk about them going, you know, even more nuts than they normally do after a defeat. Let's consider what will happen when fifty-five comes. Now, the SFA will deal with an absolute, um, you know, snowball of 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 hassle for for months for the whole off season, and it'll be no one's fault but their own. So, see from our point of view. See if I was advising the club. I would say to lump it at them and to continue that fight and to continue putting our point of view across because for too long we've stuck up with the old stuff up our lip. Ah, you know what, lads? We're better than that. Let's get off it. No, no, no. Let's fight fire with fire. because the SFA has allowed the vacuum to be filled. That's not our fault. Let's fight the corner Glasgow Rangers because ultimately, see if we don't, that vacuum's filled with green and white and green and white only. Hoggy, do we... Do we lead the charge on this
1: as a club? And I don't mean from a, from a PR perspective. I just mean from a... At this point, we need some sort of transparency from the SFA to understand the process and what happens here. Or is it just the case of waiting until it happens to Celtic and then they'll start to force a change?
2: No, we need force. We, we, we started with a post-game, post, game, post old Firm game that we won. So it's the right time to do it. We called on VAR, uh, the introduction of VAR, and for better officiating in uh, and, and, and Scotland, it's the right time to do it. So from here on in, I think we should just fucking take the fight to them because otherwise it's not going to happen. It will only happen if something to the detriment of Celtic, no laughing at the back now, happens. And um, we're the biggest club in Scotland, so we we really should be taking the fight to them, can't we?
1: I've got to agree with that. And I think probably just to, just to round that off as well, boys, is what I really enjoy about all of these things, and David's hit the nail on the head, that match at Parkhead was had li- very, very little in terms of contentious points to be able to try and come out the back of it. Um, yet we hear about, you know, as I say from pundits about, uh, you know, fingers meaning horrible gestures, um, players getting booked and then it not being reported until months later, and and fundamentally. It's been driven as well by Celtic cheerleaders in the media. However, that all being said, it doesn't mean that we can't continue to have a bit of a laugh at our chums um, from across the road. Ian, um, we're nearly a month into this, um, but still, yes, it's still pretty humorous in certain circles, I think you would find. It is. It is.
2: You know, we're, we're what, 20 days on or something like that? Uh, or or, or 20, fact, 22 days on now. Yeah. Um, And we've had John Hartson calling Rangers morally dreadful because we want to protect our club. This is from John, who kicked his own teammate in the head and told his wife on her birthday that he'd been shagging someone else for a year and that he was leaving her. So the day we take morality lessons from that arsehole is the day that freezes over. Past 20-odd days, we've had... uh, Lonely Hearts Club, Bill Leckie, being xenophobic, Bill Leckie, we've had Alan Brazil, we've had Chris Sutton and Hollycom Overdrive, uh, we've had Michael Stewart the same, um, and all the while, the paper that they're in asking for a Respect Our Players campaign, I thought that was um, ironic, (laughs) but you know... what what what's what's really interesting in some of that meltdown reaction and a meltdown that was called a meltdown incidentally by Callum McGregor, um, we had we've had one win at Parkhead in nine years, with one of the most one-sided referee one sided refereeing performances coming that you'll see, penalty for Celtic a handball goal given to Celtic a penalty for the same offence not given to Rangers a red card for Rangers whilst Julianne, Ryan Christie and Golly don't walk, but it's the ref's fault. Remember, Cammie, remember the Celtic fans when they hung out the flag of war until they get fucked in their own backyard and their cheerleaders had to run to the press and wail with some xenophobia. It's no fair. Timmy Tears continued. Two days after the game, one of my all-time favourites as the Celtic rumour mill went into absolute overdrive. Alfredo Morelos was looking at jail time. That Celtic-driven rumour mill had Alfie booting Ryan Christie so hard in the bollocks after the game that he burst a testicle. Uh, Hence, emergency surgery was required, and Alfie was getting done for GBH, which is why, of course, the Masonic Cops let Mr Morelos go immediately to the airport. Christie, recovering from emergency surgery, stopped laughing at the back, grew arms and legs, And I must admit, you've got to credit them for imagination. Had it been real and had Alfie actually kicked Ryan Christie like that, poor Christie would have had his fanny amputated by now and his tampon removed from his uh, nasal cavity. Day nine, Cammie, was another favourite. I didn't listen to Radio Clyde. I don't tend to listen to Radio Clyde. But this one was all over Twitter as a rather hysterical Celtic fan was challenging Hugh Evans. and asking why head of referees Jim Fleming wasn't coming out to talk about the the, the, the goings-on at Parkhead, Hugh Evans had to inform him that Jim Fleming died a few months ago. Um, and even in the past week, all the wailing and gnashing about Ryan Christie rightly getting a ban, Alfredo and Ryan Kent not... Um today, Monday the 20th of January, we have had the crowning creme de la shit. Step forward, the renowned Joe O'Rourke, the General Secretary of the Celtic Supporters Association. A spokesman, if you like. Joe's well known, uh, David Gray, I don't know if you know this, but he's well known for allowing his bigoted mask to slip. Um, he suggested a few years ago that while well, the Prods were building the Titanic, all the Catholics were building an iceberg. The only problem was the ones that built the ship didn't sail on it. So, day twenty-two, Joe released. That's, that a, doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> Just the, for the record, but well, if you didn't, if you think that doesn't make any sense, give what he said today. <laughs> so. He released an article on the CSA website uh, and that's the Celtic Supporters Association, not the other CSA that are probably chasing Joe, entitled Serial Cheats at the SFA. What can we do about it? And I'll I'll pull out some points. It would appear that no matter what complaints and questions come to the SFA from the supporters of Celtic with with the way they operate, the SFA continue to rub our noses in it and treat us with utter contempt if the shoe fits. Um, the shambles surrounding the charges against Sevco, got to love a Sevco, boys, and the refusal to take action against serial thugs, Morelos and Kent, serial thugs, would should embarrass the whole sorry lot of them. As if things can't get any worse, the SFA announced that the new head of refereeing, could it be any worse? I give you another son of Dallas, Crawford Allen, who incidentally isn't a son of Hugh Dallas. Could they not find someone with a proper Christian name? Question mark. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. And by the way, I'm not making this up. He then says, he says, I wasn't expecting Seamus O'Shamrock, Shamrock, but another one of the brev, brethren. We we may as well have Mason Boyne. He really is complaining that the head of referees' name isn't Irish sounding enough. Um, then he says I really don't know how much more the Celtic support will take before they vote with their feet the order of the day stop Celtic by any means Um, but we must find a way of getting a fair deal it's apparent the rest of Scottish football supporters aren't interested in backing us we'll have to do it ourselves everything we've been through in the past few years we've handed Celtic seven titles and a plate guys we've had offside goals to win cup finals Kevin Clancy failing to send off three three Celtic players at Parkhead, whilst we have one sent off. A handball goal, a soft penalty, a failure to give us one for the same offence. Boy, see if there's a conspiracy against Celtic. Those executing the conspiracy are fucking hopeless. The trouble is, dear old Joe thought we'd die. We didn't. We wouldn't allow it. 22 days have passed since our first victory at Parkhead. In nine years, two months and five days can you imagine how that crackpot will react if and when we actually want want a, a league title joe cami i'm going to address joe cuz i know he's going to be listening never never mind what i've just said i think you're right it's the masons pulling the strings against your boys you're the only one that can see the light you're the only one that has the intelligence joe continue to, to continue to lead others will follow and we will bow down to the strength of your crayon, Cami.
1: Well, thank you, Ian, and, and thanks to Joe for continuing on. For the, uh, it's not it's not conspiracy theories. This is this is cold hard truth, and he's right. And that's what's obviously caused it. And um, a referee conspiracy against you when your player is booked um, three weeks after a game has finished uh, certainly shows me that um, obviously there is definitely a, a subplot here to ensure that Rangers win the league. Um, that's all from us here at Heart and Hand Towers for this week. Uh, we will have our uh, extra show, uh, which will follow from the St Mirren game. And uh, all that's left for me to do is to thank our executive producers, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers. And, and most importantly, to thank my two guests who have been excellent uh, today. And thank you so much for your time. Uh, firstly, Mr David Graham.
0: No surrender is our cry.
1: And Mr Ian Hogg. How can I follow that? Thank you very <laughs> much, Cameron that's all folks thanks so much for your time and we'll speak to you soon okay bye if you enjoyed today's show why not check out our patreon site for as little as the price of a match day program a month you'll get access to loads of jer's content including daily updates tactical analysis previews and post-match shows plus an amazing archive covering all things rangers including stepping back in time to discuss particular games managerial reviews interviews with ibrox legends watch alongs and the odd bit of stuff and nonsense too please head over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and join thousands of bears on the Best Value podcast on the world's most successful club.